Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Bedoten with the Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with show for every team and Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, ESPN's Adam Teicher joins former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and myself. Adam, thanks for joining us. And uh, now that Joe is no longer part of the Chiefs kangaroo court, you can actually have a a long discussion or an interview with them this go around. <laughs> exactly. There you go. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I love the background, Joe, by the way. Yeah. You know, I, I can use the technology, Adam. It's, it's not, doesn't always work as smoothly as I want it to, but, uh, but I'm, I'm getting used to it in this new virtual environment, which I'm sure, I'm sure you are too in, in broadcasting, right? I mean, it's changed the way that we do things. Um, so I'd love to get your perspective on that before we talk a little bit about Chiefs. How was, how was the world of, broadcasting and media and journalism changed with everything that we've been going through over the last 18 months? Yeah, it's, uh, it's changed quite a bit. I think this year, hopefully, we're getting back to normal. You know, the Chiefs are going back to camp up in St. Joe. They're going to uh, allow the, all the writers in and, and all the media. So it's uh, going to be some in-person interviews. Hopefully, we get back to that because it was, it was a tough year for, hey, there were, people lost their lives, got sick. I, I don't want to make it sound bad for, for media, but it was a tough year for those of sure. us in the business. It was not a great work year, so hopefully this year will be, uh, we'll get back to normal. And uh, this year, this offseason, you mentioned going to train camp, kind of a lot of the talk around uh, the Chiefs involves uh, Frank Clark. Uh, Adam, what, what is your kind of prediction as what's going to happen? And I mean, the Alex Oker for signing, that's, that's got to be – in response to that, correct? Yeah, you know, hey, we were all thinking a little bit that the Chiefs needed some depth at those spots. Now, with Chris Jones probably moving outside, that you know, that wasn't as much of a need. But Chiefs don't have a lot proven out there. I mean, without Clark, without Chris Jones, uh, um, the Chiefs have um, uh, Mike Dana, who uh, was a rookie for him last year, and that was really about it. So they could use yeah. another body there. And, uh, you know, this is certainly um, one who can help him out, uh, particularly Frank Clark leaves. So, uh, for wasn't as productive last year, I didn't think, as he was the year before. But uh, certainly some depth there. And if the Chiefs do have a need to, to tap into that depth, uh, he'll be there. Yeah, it kind of makes – that's a good point that even with without whatever happens with Clark, even if he's there, you know, they, they still – that was a position they needed some depth at. That said, I mean, any – any kind of prediction? Are you getting any sense from your sources of what's going to happen with uh, Frank Clark? Well, you know, it's a serious charge, obviously. and uh, but, but his first court date isn't until October. So, uh, you know, the league generally doesn't uh, – isn't generally quick with these kinds of decisions in terms of suspension. So I would expect that at least until then, Frank Clark will be part of things. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see. That's certainly subject to change. But I would think that at least – early on he'll be part of things 
Adam, do you, have you seen a, you know, you, you've been doing this, you know, a while and, and I know you were in that young internship program when you started, you were only 10 years old when you started, but, but, uh, but you know, I, I was, I was six, but who's counting? Okay. Exactly. So, but you know, but it's a testament to, you know, obviously ha having done this for a while and your experience and, and being able to, you know, to, um, to see so many things. Have you seen a change in sort of, and not to get, not to get too much tied up in these legal wranglings or sort of the negative side of, of sports, but have you seen a, a change in the way that teams approach these kinds of issues? Um, you know, uh, the, like zero tolerance versus a tolerance for this kind of behavior. Um, what, what are some of your impressions on how specifically the NFL, maybe even the chiefs have morphed over the years as it relates to this kind of, this kind these kind of issues? I don't know that it really has. Um, I, I feel like, um, you know, most teams, you know, back when you were playing and, and up to now would rather not um, have to, you know, have to deal with this kind of behavior. Um, so I don't know that it's changed. Maybe one of the things where it has changed, it was easier to get rid of a player back in the day, you know, I mean, the contracts weren't as onerous. They weren't, uh, um, you know, teams didn't have as much invested in players, so it was easier to get rid of a player back then. I think now it's, you know, things with contracts and guaranteed money and all that, it can really complicate the situation. So I, I think if anything has changed, that's the one thing. But I don't think uh, teams really look at these types of incidents any differently than they did, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, well, that's really insightful because, I, you know, I, I don't know if the casual fan, maybe even the really – you know, uh, the really the fan who's really into it m may have even thought of that, right? And on the impact. I mean, Jeff and I have been talking about it on the pod for a while, especially in light of what happened with Frank Clark and the legal woes he may be facing. But we actually were talking about it prior to that, and how much the Chiefs' defense and how much Spagnol Coach Spagnola has built this whole scheme around Frank Clark and his ability this year to have a break, you know, not that he hasn't had breakout years, but to have like a super breakout year to me, that's even adds fuel to that fire. Right. And, and it makes it even more, it, it's, it makes the problem exponentially greater. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you look at what the chiefs have defensively. I, Hey, the chiefs have a lot of good defensive players. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to say they don't, but it's not as talented on that side of the ball as it is on offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I believe, I have to double check this, I believe that the Chiefs only have one player on defense who was originally a, sec, a, a first round draft pick, and that's Taco Charlton, who wow. uh, backup defensive end, who uh, was drafted in the first round by the Cowboys a few years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but, you know, hey, you can look at a guy like Chris Jones, who was almost a first round pick. I mean, he went with the third or fourth pick in the second round, and you can look at Tyron Matthew, who probably would have been a first round pick had he not been thrown off his college team. And, and Frank Clark might have been a, a lot higher, picked a lot higher than he was if he had he not been thrown off his college team. So, you know, there, there, there's some talent there. Don't get me wrong. But there's not a ton of first-round picks, you know, guys everybody wanted when they were coming out of, for the draft. So, uh, um, you know, in that respect, the Chiefs need to hang on to every single guy they get, um, you know, on defense. There's just not an overwhelming um, number of guys there that 
every team would say, yeah, I'll take that guy or I'll take that guy. I'll take that guy. But that's not the way it is for the Chiefs. So, uh, um, you know, they, hey, they have a lot of second round picks, a couple of linebacker, a couple in the defensive backfield. So it's not like they're, they're that, that's a talentless group. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that they need to hang on to every big talent they get. And when they lose one, particularly on defense, it, it's a big blow for them. Yeah. I, I mean, Adam, let me ask you this. Like, you, you, you brought up a great point uh, embedded there within your answer. And it has to, for me, the question has to do with run it back versus rebuild. Not that, not that teams rebuild when they've gone to three straight AFC championships. Not, not a whole lot of, quote, rebuilding going on. But to me, it does seem like that. Like, and Jeff and I have talked about that as well. Like, what's been your take on the, I'm going to use the words probably incorrectly, but like chemistry, approach that the Chiefs organization has taken and maybe their philosophy is another word I'll throw out there of run it back 21 of 22 starters coming back that one year versus this was a little bit of a rebuild I mean if when you look at it from a casual observer from the outside it looks like it looks like the Chiefs were trying to rebuild this year as opposed to air quote run it back yeah well I think the last year the Chiefs were responding to circumstances I mean they knew they were going to have to prepare for the Mahomes contract and the Travis Kelsey extension and the Chris Jones contract. So they, they, you know, they, they knew, knew that there was not going to be a lot of money to spend. They were going to have to uh, basically make do with the guys they had. And, and uh, you know, this year things were a little different. Everybody knew they had to rebuild that uh, defense, uh, that offensive line. And they, they didn't just rebuild. They, they totally demolished it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's uh, basically a, a whole new deal there. And so, uh, um, you know, the circumstances were different. I, I feel like the Chiefs knew, and they knew this before what we saw in the Super Bowl. They knew they were going to have to rebuild that group. They had done a nice job piecing everything together for a while, but they had not spent many resources on that offensive line. Um, they had not drafted an offensive lineman above the third round um, in years. It's been Mitch, uh, Mitch Morse is the last one they had drafted wow. above the third round. And he yeah. came in, uh, in the second round and I think it was 2015. So um, it had been a while since the chiefs and they hadn't really spent a lot of money there either. They, they signed, re-signed some of their owns, but they, they had not uh, um, you know, really spent money in outside free agents and they let a lot of guys go. I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of their offensive linemen had left as free agents. So it, it was well overdue that they, they do that. So I, I feel like they were more, it wasn't a philosophy so much as, that, 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 hey, the Chiefs are bouncing from this to that and don't know where they're going. It's more, hey, we're just responding to uh, the situation that's in front of us. Adam, great point about how they really hadn't allocated those draft assets or, or free agency uh, toward offense line, necessitating the need this offseason for it. And now a word from our sponsor. July is underway and a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA Finals ending in and we'll be heading into the second half of the season. There's plenty of betting action to get involved in. Also, you can bet on the NFL MVP already. Mahomes is plus 350. There are tons of futures and prop bets you can wager. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're here with ESPN's Adam Teicher. You should definitely check out all his chief, Chiefs coverage on ESPN.com. Uh, 
Adam, so uh, a big another big storyline is of course Patrick Mahomes and and his uh, toe. Um, it's been a while since training camp will be about a month once training camp starts. Could you see any difference? Did he look like the same old Mahomes or were you not able to see enough live sessions during minicamp to, to really evaluate it? No, I thought I saw enough and he looked, he, he looked fine to me. I, I, he looked like the, uh, the Pat Mahomes of old to me and from talking to others within the organization that that was their sort of, uh, that was sort of the consensus opinion that he's fine. It doesn't mean he won't have a setback or anything like that. I mean, he certainly could, but I, I, that doesn't seem to be real high on the chief's list of concerns right now. Something to watch for sure because of the importance of the player. But um, I, I feel like the Chiefs feel like they're in a pretty good place with that right now. But we'll have to keep an eye on it for sure. Um, and then a, a much more important question, of course. I'm wondering, you, you covered the Chiefs for so long, including Joe Valerio's days. Oh, what was your, you, did you cover that, I believe you did, that Monday Night Football game when Joe caught the touchdown pass? What was your reaction in the press box seeing that play? <laughs> As a I, I, uh, my, I've seen it all. That was my, that was my reaction. <laughs> I, I, what, what else can I possibly see now? You know, it's all done. My career's over here. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that was in, that was in Denver, right? It was in Denver, uh, 1994. It was in that, yeah, that mile was the game where, yeah. And that's the game where the, uh, the Willie Davis touchdown with what, five seconds left, yep. 10 seconds left. Okay. Yeah. Tip, tippy toe. I mean, my favorite memory from that game, Adam, is um, Al Saunders uh, when I was coming off the sideline after I had scored. I couldn't even like you know those in those moments like I couldn't even hear myself think like it just I was like did that just really happen like you know because in my mind I'm thinking oh my god I think I think Dan Deardorff and Al and you know and and uh, you know I think the the booth up there Al Michaels like they just said my name like you know who. Yes. Every kid growing up is like you hope that somebody, you know, not for me growing up, it would have been Dandy Don and, you know, Frank Gifford, of course, Howard Cosell. But like, I'm like, those guys just said my name. Like, that's crazy. And then, and then, so I'm, I'm still trying to, I'm still reeling from it. And I come off silent and Al Saunders, who was, you know, as you probably know, have been around the organization. One of, one of the dearest coaches you'll ever meet, just such a great human being. He's like, Joe, I think I'm going to have you join my receiving core at this point. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, count me in coach Saunders. I'm in. But uh, that's what I, that's actually what I remember most about that, about that game, Jeff was Al Saunders wanting to recruit me over to his receiving core. That'd have been a big weight loss. I would have had to have gone through <laughs> for sure. And, and to pick up a lot of speed. Cause you know, they were clocking me on the calendar when I ran the 40, you know, and they're clocking well, Willie Davis on a stopwatch. What I remember is the guys like J.J. Uh, Burden and, and Willie Davis going over to you on the sideline after, getting tips about how to get in and out of breaks and, and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. So yeah, uh, no, I, cool. uh, that's what I remember. Yeah, Adam, let's, let's not be that generous. I, I dove in from the four-yard line because I was so afraid of what was going to happen. So I, like, dove in because I was like, I didn't know what to do with a ball out in space. I hadn't touched a football out in space since probably I was seven years old when I got thrown in at running back in a peewee football game. So, you know. Here, here I was out in space, so I didn't even know what to do with it. I just, I just dove in. Now, now we jokingly referenced this at the beginning of the pod, how they, they had the Chiefs had like a kangaroo court for the offensive linemen. So, Adam and Joe, how did it work for like when you scored that touchdown and the other touchdowns? Were you able to be interviewed by the media, or did you were you not able to answer questions? Uh, about 
that play. Ca- cash registers were just going off everywhere, Jeff. <laughs> uh, we had, you know, we used to have our kangaroo court fine boards in our offensive line room, and it just, you know, numbers were just zeros were just getting added with every touchdown and every, you know, it got to the point where I tried to defray some of those costs of the fines by actually taking the offensive line and the quarterbacks and tight ends out to dinner. So that's what I ended up started doing. And and I would work out some deals with the local, you know, restaurants. Like, you know, one time we, I, after I scored a touchdown, I took everybody out to Casconi's and then we did a Garozzo's trip and, uh, you know, some of our, the fine Italian establishments. Uh, and I would take the, take the group out for, for a meal to try to defray some of those fine costs and to hope that the court, you know, wouldn't be too heavy of uh, levy too many fines on me. Uh, so I tried to, I tried to appease them with, with food. So I, I would work, I would work out deals with the local restaurateurs and, you know, between you and me, they were pretty generous, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> With, with the build, like just the fact that they could, you know, say that they had the whole Chiefs team in, in their restaurant, which was kind of nice. So don't let, don't tell the offensive linemen that. But <laughs> they might carry. What, what, what I want to know is what what was it like when you heard the play call? I mean, obviously you guys had been working on that play and you knew it might go it might be called that week. But when when they finally said, okay, we're calling this play. I remember Eric Fisher, remember he caught that touchdown pass in Baltimore. And after the game, he was saying he was just trying so hard not to sweat or or look nervous or he thought he was tipping off the play call that he was, you know, he was eligible and he he figured the Ravens were going to make him immediately. So how did you kind of react and how did you like try to play cool so the Broncos weren't going to uh, know what was going on? Well, Adam, it's a great question. The craziest thing about that Broncos score is that I was, it was not a designed play. I was literally, I was probably the fourth check down in that play because it was, I think it was Kimball coming out of the backfield. It was um, Keith Cash coming out of the H position. It was Derek Walker doing a crossing route from the right tight end position. And what happened was, I think like, Kimball fell down. Um, Keith got jammed up at the line. Derek Walker actually ran in front of the referee, and Joe didn't see him. You can actually, if you watch, like, you know, if you watch the checkdowns that Joe went through and the progression on that, he went boom, boom, boom. And when he looked at Derek Walker, he couldn't find him. And then that's when he looked at me, and I was literally the fourth checkdown. So I got to be honest, that one really came as a surprise. Uh, it even happened. Now the other ones, the other three, absolutely. It was, it was, I was the only receiver basically going out at that point. Joe, Joe was either, or Steve Bono in, in the Cardinals case was either just going to spike it or, you know, do throw it way out of the end zone if I wasn't open or whatever. So those a lot more nervous on those. And you know, the, the best thing about it, and I've, I've told people this before, what helped me more than anything was Joe Montana calling the play. And I tell people this all the time, not that I'm, you know, ever want to compare myself that I could even put myself in the same league as Jerry Rice, but he called the play like I was Jerry Rice. Like he didn't make a big deal out of it. He just got, he didn't even look at me really. He just got in the huddle. He called the play. We clapped our hands. We walked to the line and, and, and he called the signals. Like it was no big deal. And I think that really helped. That really helped. Cause if Joe would have looked at me and kind of like, you know, started asking me, hey, are you okay there, big guy? Like, you got this, right? Like, then I really – I probably would have fall, I probably would have fallen down, <laughs> like, and tripped. But he just – you know, I, he made me feel like I was Jerry Rice, which that's was all, – That's all you need to know about Montana, those two stories, how cool he was and also seeing the four 
uh, progressions. Uh, Joey, and I know that like you have the kangaroo court and stuff, but I'm sure at some point you were interviewed by Adam, maybe when you were drafted or something. Do you have kind of recollections of that? Or did the kind of the media just blend together? Do you, do you remember Adam Tyser? No, of, the- of course I remember Adam. We, we were always, you know, chatting it up. And, and I was always, you know, Adam will remember. I was really chatty. And, and then I became part of the media. And I remember Adam kind of, you know, giving me some tips and tricks on like, you know, things, you know, I should be doing now as a journalist when I was working for KNBC and then doing the radio show. And, you know, Adam was one of the, one of the people that was just such a, a great fixture in the locker room. He, he, you know, and I think I remember about Adam distinctly fair, you know, Adam, you never put any of us in a light or a situation where you've made any of us ever feel uncomfortable about how to answer a question or make a, make it, make it out that we were ever not a team. Right. And then Adam, it was always about the team when he covered us and we never felt like we were individuals who did something wrong because we all made mistakes, but Adam never pointed those things out. He was always fair. He was always uh, approachable and somebody who really made us out to be and, and put the shine the light on us as human beings and as players who were, you know, playing a kid's game and, and out there to have fun and do it. And I always, you know, thankful for, for people like Adam and the media like that, that, that really wanted to, to show the best side of us and, and not focus on some, some of the things that, you know, that could be construed as being, you know, like the negative side of sports. So well, that's, that's nice of you to say, Joe, but I, I got to tell you, you had more than a few teammates who would disagree with that. Uh, there, there were a few guys who didn't feel the way you do. Uh, um, but, I, you know, hey, I, I always try to remember that you're human beings first and foremost, that, that that's what uh, the, the, the players are. And, 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 hey, we're all human beings. We all, I, I, hey, I screw up on my job every day. So, uh, you know, that that's but I, I try to be sensitive to that and, and, uh, and, and always remember that and, and be a human being first and remember I'm talking to a human being first. And uh, so I, I hope uh, it, it, it's really nice of you to say. No, definitely. And I'm so, I'm so got to, to be working with ESPN and it's so great, Adam, to, to see you now and, and, and shining with, you know, the leader, the world leader in sports and, and covering the team that you love. And that progression has been, has been great to, to watch you. So, uh, I'm so happy for you, Adam, and, and, and watching you. And it just, uh, it's so cool to, well, to it's see. really nice of you to say. Nice of you to say. Thank you. Uh, bringing it back to the, the current Chiefs here, Adam, any kind of predictions as, as, as far as record? Do you, I mean, do you expect do you like another Super Bowl? Where where do you see this team right now as we head into training? Time? You know, I, I picked twelve and five. Um, you know, they've they've won uh, twelve at least twelve games. What each of the last three years, I think it is. I, I can't see with the with the expanded season. I can't see that number going down. Now, having said that, I think the AFC is loaded. I think a lot of the NFLs. It, it's it's a. I think the NFL is weighted toward the AFC right now. You, you look at. Uh, I think a lot of the teams are not taking the Chiefs lightly. I mean, they're not going to play a backseat to the Chiefs like they did maybe to the Patriots for so many years. Uh, you look at all the a lot of the good young quarterbacks that come in in the last two or three years have come into the um, AFC in, in Justin Herbert and and maybe Tua, maybe not Tua, but possibly Joe Burrow. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, I'm forgetting a bunch here, but, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, I, I just feel like there's more good young quarterbacks have come into the uh, AFC than, than the NFC in recent years. And 
Um, so I, and that's a long-winded way of saying I think it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs. Um, I, I, I'm certainly not going to say they can't win another AFC championship and get to another, a third straight Super Bowl because I, I, I think they are the best team out there. But it, it's very going to be very difficult. It's a tough schedule. So I, I, I'm going to predict them 12-5. and five. They certainly wouldn't surprise me to see them go over that. But uh, um, I, I'll stick with that prediction for now. I got one prediction question for you, Adam, and I, and I always like to, you know, do my research and stuff before our pods. Uh, and uh, I went back and looked at some things and you were quite uh, you were quite the, the tweeter uh, as it relates to, uh, you know, to Mr. Sherman's antics when he when he was approaching camp. So I know there's some some news out there with with him not being a part uh, of the Chiefs organization. So is any you know, and I saw one of the headlines is, is anyone going to take up Anthony Sherman's mantle? Uh, what do you think? What do you think? What's your predictions on that? Is anybody, anybody going to show up in a crazy outfit to keep your tweet string alive? Uh, yeah, for, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good <laughs> question. I, uh, I'm not sure uh, the Chiefs have anybody who wants to pick up that mantle. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, he, you know, last year, or actually it was two years ago now, he, he outdid himself. I mean, he got into the race car and drove <laughs> on to campus. And he had to come in on a certain street because the that car wasn't street legal, so we couldn't do it in most of the city. It was just crazy stuff. So uh, that's, uh, you know, that, and I loved his expl explanation. He said, I have to get in a race car to keep up with a lot of these fast guys that we have. So I love it. Uh, that was good stuff. I love it. Well, listen, if, if you, you know, if you want to talk to anybody at the organization, if you happen to run into Clark Hunt or, you know, Brett Beach or whatever, listen, for, for one Tenth of one percent of the money that some of these players are making today. I'll show up dressed up in anything if they'll give me another contract. So, just let just know that I'll I'll give you all the Twitter feed, all the Twitter fodder you need if uh, if it can get me back out onto uh, onto Arrowhead. So they are all right. I'll keep that in mind. We look in, so you know it could be part of that. that <laughs> Adam talked about you know they didn't invest in the offensive line enough, and you were a second round pick. You know that's another early round pick. They could make. Maybe I'll show up in a business suit. That'll be kind of crazy, right? I'll show up with a briefcase. And, you know, a three-piece uh, suit with a pocket watch or something, you know. Well, that would be a that would be a great disguise. No one would recognize you. If, if if and when Joe shows up at training camp for you, Adam, is there one thing that you're – or what is the one thing that you have to kind of watch or evaluate during training camp? Well, there's actually a bunch of things. Uh, you know, we, we've already talked about Mahomes uh, and his injury. So, I'll, you know, that but that's near or at the top of the list. But – you know, the offensive line, who, who plays where? You know, it, the Chiefs spent a lot of resources on that offensive line. They have to get it right. I mean, they, they can't – this can't be a, um, well, we got it wrong on this guy or that guy or we spent – we shouldn't have done this or, or we should have played this guy over that guy. They have to get it right from day one. I mean, they, they need to uh, make sure they have the right guys in the right spots. So who's playing where on the offensive line? I think we're pretty sure a left tackle, left guard, and center. But the other spots may be up to uh, – uh, up for grabs so um, uh, you know there, there's that I'm wondering about McCole Hardman um, you know, the Chiefs are showing a lot of faith in him you know uh, uh, for two years they really appeared not to be very comfortable with him in a full role even when Sammy Watkins was out of the lineup he wasn't playing you know it wasn't him who got those extra snaps in most cases so you know hey do the Chiefs have a, a true number two wide receiver now or, or are they uh, going to regret not either re-signing Watkins or, or doing something else at wide receiver um, how, how's Chris Jones looking at defensive end uh, how are some of their younger defensive players uh, 
uh, Jerry Sneed, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, uh, you know, how are these guys looking and, and how are they progressing? Are they ready to take that, that jump from year one to year two, uh, at least uh, not, not so much in Bolton's case, but in the other guys' cases? You know, what, what, you know the, the Chiefs, uh, what are they going to get from these guys? So those are just some of the things on my list. Adam, that great stuff there. That's, uh, and Adam, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Your analysis, not only just right there, but the facts, that was fascinating. And I've been going through the Chiefs roster in my head. I, that never occurred to me that there was just the one first round pick. I know our, all people's Taco Charlton was kind of a little bit of an afterthought. That was, that was really fascinating. Yeah, he, he was giving up the two teams, really. The Cowboys and the Dolphins had sort of given yeah. up on him. So, uh, um, yeah, so that, that's why, you know, the Chiefs need their better players to play well. I mean, it sounds funny, but uh, they, they might be able to get away with some things on offense, but not, not on defense. They have to have their better players playing well. Well, you can find all of Adam Teicher's articles about the Chiefs on ESPN.com. He's definitely worth checking out there. And if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.